Turn in Romans chapter 5. Uh, we'll look at a verse there. Uh, while you're turning the way, if you, you also received a card like this in your bulletin, what greater, I know last week we had our All Adultery Sunday, and this is our follow-up Sunday. Perhaps you've prayed about it since then. There's, what a great time at the Lord's table to come and say, I want to be a part of a faith team or a prayer partner or do some way of helping in faith. So at, when we give our invitation time, if you'll start filling it out now, if you've not yet turned a card in, during the invitation, just come down and lay it down here uh, on, the, on the platform and go back to your seat. It'll be fine. We'd love for you to do that. And uh, the opportunity is still there for you to, to be a part of our faith uh, semester. If you're a guest with us, thank you for being here. I hope you've enjoyed your worship time with us. I'd like to know who you are, so please, you fill out the guest card. And at the end of the service, I'll be at the back door. Eric will be at the back door, and we'll, we'll be glad to meet you personally and, and, and get to know you. And you can hand your card to us. We'd love to get to know you. So please do that. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. One of my favorite verses because it is so incredibly personal. It says this, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. Now, let me tell you why it means a lot to me. Here's the way I read it. But God proves his own love for me in that while Tim Burnham was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Can you make it that personal for you? It is that personal. It's as though... Your name was correctly placed there. I want to ask you to look with me as we talk about this time of coming together and take communion at the Lord's table. It is though Jesus says, remember me, remember me. The Lord's Supper reminds us of the truth about us and God's love for us. Let's take a look at it together. First of all, we have a problem with an unbearable penalty. We all have the same problem, as a matter of fact. If you were to go understanding this, that in Romans 3.23, it says that for everyone has sinned. If you want to look with me just a, just a page over, that uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means every one of us have somehow missed the standard. Now, in the Greek, the word for this word sinned actually means miss the mark. And the picture that comes to mind in Paul's day, and I want to visualize it in your mind today, is that an archer is pulling back a bow and shooting an arrow. And the purpose of that is to hit the bullseye. It's usually about that big. Maybe about that big. That's it. Uh, And so you hit the bullseye. Now, here's the thing. What he's saying is, The standard of God is not that you hit the bullseye just once. But you must hit the center of the bullseye every time. So that means when you shoot that arrow into the bullseye, and there it's it's stuck in in the very heart of the bullseye, the next arrow must split the arrow. And the next arrow must split the arrow. And the next arrow must split the arrow. And you're saying, Tim, ain't nobody can do that. You're absolutely right. Nobody can do that. Because you'd have to do it again and again and again with no margin of error. And that is absolutely impossible for us. That's why Paul said, all of us have missed the mark. All of us have missed the bullseye. 
at some point in time in our life. It is missing God's standard of perfection and glory. The target is not human goodness. Oh, we think if I'm good, that's great. No, the target's not goodness. The target is God's glory. And His glory is absolute perfection in every way with nothing wrong or nothing corrupt. We can't do life that way because of our nature and our condition. We are sinners by nature, sinners by choice. And so consequently, we can't live in such a way that every moment of every day glorifies God and meets that standard. We miss the mark. Some miss it more than others. But the truth is we all miss it. When we sin, we fail to reflect God's glory. We don't meet the standard. Uh, the problem, I think, today is many people decide that they can have a, a, their own standard. If they meet their own standard, they're okay. Let me explain to you how this works at, at the Burnham household. Uh, at our house, uh, when it comes to cleaning, Charlene has her standard of cleaning, and I have my standard of cleaning. And they're not the same. You see, when Charlene will say to me, I need you to help me clean the house today. I'm going, well, okay, I'll do that. And that's no problem. And so I start picking stuff up and find the closest closet and open the door and throw it in the closet and shut the door because nobody's going to look in the closet, right? And I, and I vacuum around stuff. I don't vacuum under stuff. I vacuum around stuff. And I, I do it a little different than she does. Now, she will come in and say, I thought you was helping me clean the house. Well, I have done that. Can't you see? She says, no, you have not done that. And then, then she begins to tell me where I have failed. You know, I can't believe you did. You know, I did not meet her standard. Now, I don't know about you, but in my house, guess whose standard's right? It ain't mine. It's her standard. Her standard's the one that counts. She says, nope, this ain't good enough. Do it again. Well, oh, okay. Guys, I don't care what standard you have for your life. The one we're all judged by, every single one of us, is God's standard. It's the only one that really counts. doesn't matter how well you meet your own standard or even the standard of someone else in your family or your friends or your church. Do you meet God's standard every time, all the time? And the answer is no, we don't. There's no way, no matter how you would practice, how hard you would work, that you could split an arrow every time you shot again and again and again and again up to a thousand times. Cannot be done. That's what Paul's saying. Impossible. The problem is you miss the mark that God requires. He requires it. We don't make it. And therefore, our sin is evident. And we can do nothing on our own to change it. We were born with a nature to prone to rebel against God because of Adam in the garden. That's what he did. He chose to have God outside his life. He wanted to be in charge of his life. And therefore, he passed that same nature on to us. And we're born that way. Every once in a while, people say, you know, children are born with a clean slate. And we just begin to write on that slate as we teach them and train them. We do, we do have impact on what we put on their thinking and on their emotions and on their life. But they're not born necessarily with an absolutely clean slate. They are born with a sin nature. You say, oh, not my child. 
Oh, yes, your child. I've had, you know, I, I was sharing this sermon sometime, and a, and, a, and, a, and a couple came up and said, I just don't believe what you said about that. I said, my child just in that way. I said, well, okay, okay. And about six months later, they said, can you come cast the demons out of our child? I don't know what's happened, you know. Uh, no, I, I say that. We, we, uh, we understand that I've never had to teach my children how to lie. It just came to them one day. I said, did you break that? And the, 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 the broken pot's there, and it's in front of them at their feet, and they go, no, no, not me. I never teach them how to lie. I've never had to teach my children how to be selfish. It just comes. Never had to have a class on how to lose your temper. They just do how to do that. You see, that nature comes out. It's a problem, and because of our nature, we miss the mark. But also, the second thing is the penalty is missing heaven and a personal relationship with God. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The problem is, my problem has a very severe, unbearable penalty to it. It has the penalty of death. Now, guys, it's not talking about physical death here, because you're saying, what's the big deal? Everybody dies, so what's the big deal? It's not talking about physical death. Physical death is when the soul is separated from the body. When we die physically, that's what happens. We don't cease to exist. The soul goes into eternity. But spiritual death, which is what Romans is talking about, when the wages of my sin is a spiritual death, it's talking about a separation from God, which simply means that the soul and the body both are separated from God forever. Separated from God for eternity's sake, unless we do something here in this life. If I don't, I'm separated from his provision, his power, and his very presence. And I'll have to, I won't go to heaven. I won't have that personal relationship with God. And I'll find myself in a place designed for the devil and his angels that fell from heaven called the lake of fire or a place called hell. Eternally separated from a loving God. Not his fault. Because this table tells us that he did all he could to take us to heaven. This is why we're called to remember. He's done all that's necessary. He's done all that's required. That we could know him as our Savior and Lord, have a relationship with him, and we get and go to heaven when we die. If I do not deal with my sin problem here, I will experience eternal separation from God with eternal suffering in a place he never designed for humanity to go. The table is a reminder right here. It reminds us of our problem. That's why we're going to take a look at the blood. The Jews were symbolic of the blood. It reminds us of our problem because the body of Christ, which was come and given for us, is what this table's about. It's a symbolic of what he has done. He did that which only he could do. And no one else could do. As I look at this, I must see the second thing I've learned from this. God offers a provision with an unforgettable price. I have a problem. You have a problem. We can't fix our problem no matter what we do. We cannot hit the bullseye every time. We miss the mark. 
And so Jesus came to hit the bullseye every time. The only provision for our problem and penalty is symbolized by this table right here. And we see it, first of all, God provides a sufficient sacrifice that solves my problem. God provides what I need. And what he's provided is absolutely, completely sufficient. And what was done, he solved my problem through Jesus. Jesus came, and we're going to take the unleavened bread, which symbolizes the sinless body of Christ. So you'll catch this in God's eyes and how Christ lived out his life. He hit the bullseye every time. Every single time, the very center of the bullseye, every time, again and again and again and again and again and again and again, and never missed it. And in the process, he was perfect in every way. He was perfect in his thoughts, perfect in his deeds, in his actions, his behavior, his attitudes, everything was perfect. He was sinless, and that he became an acceptable sacrifice for me and for you because we are certainly not sinless. We have a problem. He's the solution. So the, the body of Christ in his life, in his ministry, and all that he did was absolutely perfect in every way, without sin. And then the blood of Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there's no covering or forgiveness for our sins. There's nothing I can do. God established this with the beginning of the garden. And, and when Adam sinned, he said he, he slew animals and covered them. And the blood flowed. The blood has been flowing throughout the Old Testament into the New for the sacrifice, the covering of sin. Sin is something that has caused great damage, brings death. And there has to be a, a reconciliation of the price and the debt that's owed. We can do nothing to reconcile that on our own. We can't make it right no matter what we do. It doesn't matter if we hit the bullseye nine out of ten times. It's not enough. And so we find ourselves in a problem that only God can solve, and he solved it with Jesus Christ. And with his blood, he covered my sins. Everything I need to be right with God is in Jesus Christ. I love this. It says, again, in Romans 5, he demonstrated his love. You know, I love this. In verse 8, we talk about our problem that... (laughs) It seems to be hopeless. Our problem that is very serious and has great consequence. Our problem I can do nothing about. But I love how verse 8 starts out, but God. But God comes on the scene. Now God shows up and shows his glory in the most incredible way we could ever imagine. He gave his son to die on a cross horribly and viciously and cruelly without any limitation to the pain of the suffering. And in so doing, saying, here's how much I love you. Here's what I'm doing for you because you can do nothing for yourself. You can't please me apart from my son. You can't satisfy me apart from my son. You can't enter heaven apart from my son. You cannot have a relationship with me apart from my son. And God, this is the message we need to be telling people all the time, that Jesus is the answer for their problem. God offers a pardon for sin that is sufficient for everyone, but is efficient only for those who believe. Jesus paid the debt. We know historically he died on the cross. Literally, he died on the cross. Painfully, he died on the cross. So we understand that. Theologically, he died on the cross. But that's not enough. God said, that's sufficient for you, but it's not efficient. It's not applied until you believe. 
God offers a pardon for sin that is sufficient for everyone, but is efficient only for those who believe. The second thing you got, you got to see that. To those who believe. To those who come to the point of realizing that Christ died for me. Tim Burnham. He demonstrated his love for me personally. As though I was the only person in the room. And if I will come to him, believing he's my Savior, my Lord, he's God who died for me, I can have a relationship with him. He will solve my problem with God. And if he doesn't, no one else can. That's why it's sufficient only if we believe in Christ. You can't believe in a denomination or a religion or personalities. You must come to the person of Christ and say, here's who I believe in. The one who died on the cross and rose from the grave. And in that I place my faith in the one who made everything right with God for me. In Luke 23, there's an interesting account as we look at the crucifixion. Verse 43. Well, let me go up to verse, verse 39. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Now, here is the nature of sin showing up pretty boldly. Even when the guy's dying, he's being selfish and arrogant. And he's going, look, if you are who you say you are, and the key word is if, he wasn't believing. He didn't believe this. He was just hoping he might be right, or maybe there's something he didn't catch. But he's saying, if you are, why don't you get us off the cross? That'd be a pretty neat thing to do. If. There was no belief in that man's heart or in his mind. But watch. But the other answered, rebuking him, don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment. Now, let me tell you what's pretty neat about that. He said, we are experiencing the same crucifixion as he is. Not the same effect, but the same thing. Let me tell you why that's so important. Please get this. This tells me that there's absolutely nothing I could possibly do that would cover my sin between me and God. Even if I died on a cross and bled my own blood and and suffered with great agony to the point I could no longer breathe, experiencing the horrific reality of a crucifixion in every sense and form, that when it was all said and done, I could do that agonizing for hours and hours and hours, and still that's not enough to save me and solve my problem and rescue me from my sin. It's not enough. Because all these were having the same crucifixion. They were all hurting the same. It was, hey, but not, look, we're going, we're having the same punishment. We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. This man has hit the bullseye every time. We haven't, but he has. He's never messed up. He's never done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Isn't it something? (laughs) Remember me. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe. Remember me. And Jesus said, 
I assure you, I like that word, I assure you, without a doubt, positively, confidently, no question about it, I assure you, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross for the thief. Thief's death did nothing to help him. Jesus' death was efficient for his salvation, for his rescue from sin. It solved his problem. And just as that solved the problem 2,000 years ago, it solves the problem for you and for me today. Jesus, save me. And you know he will? He really will. Because that's why he died on the cross. That's why he came. And so in doing that, we celebrate the table because he remembers us. We, in turn, remember him. Every time we take the bread and the juice, every time we remember Without him, we could never be right with God.